This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. From high atop Fox News headquarters in New York City, always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. We have a big hour coming your way. Standing by, Senator James Langford of Oklahoma. Uh, KRMG listeners certainly familiar with him. And Henry, uh, excuse me, Carly Shimkus at the bottom of the hour. That'll be great. Uh, Carly coming off Fox and Friends first and doing the news on Fox and Friends. So uh, let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. If TikTok was a Russian company, there would be an FBI raid of their headquarters. I think everyone agrees they're a privacy danger to America, to our national security. We shouldn't have the Communist Party of China having access to a treasure trove of American data. Big tech, big problems, big crackdown from Musk's own Twitter to the danger of TikTok, the upcoming hearings on social media platforms. This will be the story of 2023. We discuss it today. Number two. I couldn't get answers from any of the executives in the firm, so I simply called Sam Bankman-Fried and said, where is the money, Sam? Walk me back 24 months. Tell me the use of proceeds of the assets of your company. Where did you spend it? FTK, crypto creep, SBF in jail. The former girlfriend seems to have flipped for the state. Uh, Now she'll tell the true story. And now the whole country is under the spotlight, as you heard Kevin O'Leary speak. And Elizabeth Warren and Mr. Wonderful clashed. We'll discuss. Number one. I don't know why they keep avoiding the border uh, and saying there's other things more important than visiting the border. If there's a crisis, show up. Just show up. It's unbelievable. Democratic Congressman Henry Cuellar, beyond crisis, try looming catastrophe. That's how we all should describe what's happening at the border right now. And if you need any more proof, this administration is allowing and loving this, uh, the, the act of having millions come through illegally. See how they what they're doing in Arizona, suing to take down their makeshift border wall that was actually working effectively for them using shipping containers. Senator James Langford joins us now of Oklahoma. Senator, welcome. What did you discover about the administration and their approach to the end of Title 42? Well, good morning and welcome and uh, Merry Christmas to you as well, Brian. Yep. Glad to be in the conversation. I was actually on a briefing yesterday uh, with the administration. The end of Title 42, we all knew was coming. The pandemic is over. Title 42 was temporary during the pandemic. It allowed folks to be able to turn the Border Patrol to be able to turn people away that were seeking asylum and to say no. The Biden administration has been chipping away at that for the last two years and now it's ending on the 21st of December and I have asked over and over again 
the administration, what is your plan when this ends? And they kept saying, we're going to have this great plan. Well, they released out to us their plan. Their plan is the same six-point plan they've had the entire year. And then they said, but we're also going to do expedited removal, which is a great term. It sounds really good to say, okay, we're going to do expedited removal as well. Until you look at the numbers, in the past year, this administration has actually removed only 7% of the people they declared expedited removal. So they're giving them this designation, so it sounds good in the press. Oh, we did expedited removal, but they're not actually removing people. This is, uh, this is a bad situation. Can I stop you there, situation. Senator? So out of the millions that have crossed, only 7% have been turned back? 7%. Seven percent. So that, that's wow. the expedited removal uh, issue. So we've got two million people that have illegally crossed the border, and they're not deporting. So the, the untold story on this is not only are they waving people across our southern border, uh, but they're also not removing people in the interior of the country either. And uh, so they've stopped both of those, and they're just not enforcing the law. And so th- this is about to get bad. When Title 42 goes away, the cartels have been waiting on this moment. There are literally tens of thousands of people on the south side of the border waiting to be able to cross. So we're talking by midnight 01 on December 21st, these numbers are going to jump again, and they've already jumped significantly. We were at four to 5,000 this summer. Now we're at six to 8,000 every day now, and we don't know what that number is going to be. Why do you think it's, they think it's to their advantage to have four million people come here illegally and to have the go sign to millions more? Well, I, I would love to get an answer to that. Uh, they, keep say, they keep saying to me over and over again, hey, we're trying to stop it. We're trying to stop it. We just got to be able to make changes in this. But they're really not trying. At the end of the day, the first thing that they said was, we don't want to be mean like Trump. Trump was mean. And I said, Trump is not mean. He's enforcing the law of the United States. It's not mean to be able to enforce the law of the United States. The second part of this always comes out of, well, we're just trying to be able to manage this in a humane way. There is a humane way to be able to handle the law, but as long as they do catch and release, uh, where they're literally turning people into the country and saying, show up at a hearing 10 years from now, and then they hand them a work permit and say, I know you illegally crossed in the country, but you can work anywhere you want in the United States for the next 10 years, await your hearing, and please show up at that date. That's not going to happen, and they're going to continue to incentivize people to be able to come. If there's, unless there's more Henry Cuellar's. Uh, unless there's there, what are you going to do? You're you're not in the majority in the Senate. I know it crushes you, it and does. you have a slight majority in the House. So are you powerless? We're not powerless. We can continue to be able to press. There, there have been moments we've been able to press for changes. For instance, the Biden administration is now saying they're going to finally start putting up some of the fencing that has been sitting in the desert uh, that the Trump administration had purchased and in place there. They've finally now announced they're going to start doing some of that fencing. That has been a push for two years over and over and over again. They finally cracked on that. Uh, there are some of the areas that we're making some progress on, but quite frankly, this, this administration, in every way they can, they're trying to wave more people in. And and it's not just people from uh, Central America and South America. They're from all over the world. I know. People lose track of this. It's, I mean, you and I have talked about this. People from 150 countries have illegally crossed our border uh, this year, and not a single one of them we know the criminal record from where they're coming from. The administration keeps saying they're fleeing poverty. We don't know if they're fleeing justice or fleeing poverty. We have no idea because there is no check where they're coming from. Yeah, well, let me talk about Arizona for a second. What they've done out of frustration is taken 60 double-stack shipping 
containers and welded the doors shut, right. put razor wire on top, and they're starting to spread that across their southern border because the wall we paid for has not been built. Trump lost the election. So now the government is suing to have them stop. They say it's federal land. They say the an Indian tribe's West Reservation is in that area. They say it's going to affect the Morales Dam. They're throwing out everything. They say it makes it harder for law enforcement to function. If you are taking down a barrier that's not even Donald Trump-esque or authored by Trump, you clearly are trying to let people in. Yeah, they're clearly trying to let people in. And what Arizona is doing is they're actually what's called closing the gaps. Much of that wall was under construction, yeah. and they were building towards each other, and there may be a 60- or 80-foot gap there in the fence that's just open. What Arizona is doing is putting these shipping containers in those gaps so there's not a gap so people can't just run through it. This administration is saying, no, we want the gaps to be there. So, like I said, we have pushed them hard enough. They're now finally going back and closing some of these gaps. Uh, but they shouldn't be taking down Arizona. They certainly shouldn't be suing Arizona. They should be thanking Arizona uh, to say, we'll close the gaps in other areas. You keep them closed in those areas until we get to it to actually close it right. Senator James Langford with us. Sure, he recognizes his voice. But Senator, Senator Kelly said, you know, when he wanted to get his full term, he was down there at the border with his blue jean shirt talking about the need to close it and how this administration's got to get serious about the border. Where is he? Why is he not shoulder to shoulder with Senator James Langford and saying, I want this administration to do what I said to do to get my six, six more years in office? Well, what's interesting is the only part of the border fencing that actually the Biden administration started any construction under was just the days before the election. So Mark Kelly could announce in Arizona, look, I'm getting border fencing done here. So the administration that was saying all along, we don't like border fencing, fences are terrible, fences are terrible, suddenly right before the election to be able to help Mark Kelly, uh, who the people of Arizona know fences aren't bad, fences are helpful on this. Uh, They start doing border fencing to be able to help bail him out in his election. At the end of the day, it's not just... Mark Kelly's election that needs to be saved. It's the American people that need to be saved across the entire country. Stop the illegal immigration. We're a country that loves legal immigration. We do not like unchecked illegal immigration, especially in the millions of people coming across. So here's what Henry Cuellar said yesterday. Cut three. Communities are going to be overwhelmed, not only in Paso. We've seen that in the past with uh, Rio Grande Valley. We've seen it in Eagle Pass, Del Rio. They're going to be overwhelmed. They're just not enough shelters and, and border processing centers to handle the large numbers of people. And what Border Patrol is doing, it's almost like a whack-a-mole in the, in the sense that if there's a surge in the valley, they'll move people down there. If there's, uh, if there's more people crossing uh, during, uh, the, let's say, the Rio Eagle Pass and move uh, agents over there, now they're moving agents to uh, El Paso. So it's really, this is not the way to secure the border. So, I mean, and what he's doing there now, the president says, I need $4 billion to do what Henry Cuellar wants to do. What do you, what's your reaction to that? <laughs> so what Henry Cuellar is saying is that they're moving people back and forth. But let me be very clear. The administration is moving Border Patrol back and forth, not to secure the border, but to process people coming across the border. Uh, there's a very big distinction. We think about moving, as he said, whack-a-mole, moving people around where there's the flow is increasing to stop it. It's not stopping it. It's being more efficient in the process. 
testing, and this is one of the questions that we asked the administration specifically yesterday, what are you doing to be able to deal with this huge surge of people? And their answer was, we're more, moving more people to the border to be able to process people faster into the country. It's the exact opposite of what needs to be done, and the money request that the administration is asking for is for more processing centers, not for more deterrence. So I'd be glad to be able to help them with additional dollars if they would actually use it to deter people from coming in the country, not processing people coming in. Will anyone listen to you on that? Well, we keep saying it, and you keep pounding away. When you're in D.C. and you're working on these issues, it's like pounding on granite. Eventually it gives, uh, but you just got to pound away on it until you actually win it. You, just can't, you can't do it for a day and walk away. The national media focused on what was happening at the border a year and a half ago. Then they walked away and said there's no story to tell here. Uh, we've got to keep on pounding on it because the American people do care about this. So he uh, evidently he went to Mayorkas, uh, the Homeland Security Secretary, went to West Texas Monday and Tuesday, and he met with border agents. According to the Washington Examiner, they asked him, why is he saying that the border is secure when we have agents, uh, when we have no agents in the field? He had the nerve to respond by saying, I never said the border was secure, but we taped it. Cut one. border is secure. The border, um, we are working to make the border more secure. That has been a historic challenge. Secretary Mayorkas, do you continue to maintain that the border is secure? Yes, and we are working day in and day out to enhance its security, Congressman. Unbelievable, right? I mean, do you ever see this guy lie like this? Yeah, it's, it's painful in that. And I would say the Border Patrol agents will tell you the border is secure. It's just secure on the south side. Uh, no one crosses from south to north until they pay the cartel their fee. Uh, if they don't, the cartel will kill them. And so everyone crossing from south to north has been checked by someone in the cartels in the south. And what the untold story of this is the last time I was at the border a couple of months ago, the Border Patrol agents there told me that just in that area, that one area of south Texas, the cartel on the south side of the river is making 152 Wow. million dollars a week a week trafficking people across the border and this administration is enriching one of the most ruthless terrorist organizations in the world with its open border policies let alone the fentanyl and the illegal drugs that are going through with the people that don't want to get caught senator james langford thanks for alerting me to this we got to tell as many people as possible it's not in our national interest this is not election posturing this is a real catastrophe all preventable thank you senator you bet. Thank you, Brian, for keeping it keeping the forefront. Merry uh, Christmas. Absolutely. Same to you. one 408 7669 We come back. Your thoughts on that and so much more. And going to give you more of the Kevin O'Leary's exchange with Senator Elizabeth Warren and others. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. Newsmakers and newsbreakers. Hear it first on The Brian Kilmeade Show. This is Jimmy Fallon, inviting you to join me for Fox Across America, where we'll discuss every single one of the Democrats' dumb ideas. Just kidding. It's only a three-hour show. Listen live at noon Eastern or get the podcast at foxacrossamerica.com. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. After my accounts were stripped of all of their assets and all of the accounting and trade information. I couldn't get answers from any of the executives in the firm, so I simply called Sam Bankman-Fried and said, where is the money, Sam? He said he had been refused access to the servers. He no longer knew. I said, okay, let's step back. This is a simple case in my mind of where did the money go? And I said, Sam, walk me back 24 months. 
tell me the use of proceeds of the assets of your company. Where did you spend it? Pretty cool. And then basically he went on uh, to really not get muddy answers. And he talked about a Bitcoin investment in Binance, cut nine. And then he told me about a transaction that occurred over the last 24 months, the repurchase of his shares from Binance, his competitor. I didn't know this at the time, but at some point, CZ or Binance, who runs Binance, purchased 20% ownership in Sam Bankman-Fried's firm for seed stock. And then, over time, and I asked him, what would compel you to spend $2 billion, was the number he was giving me at that time. Later, in a subsequent conversation, about 24 hours later, he told me it could have been as much as $3 billion to buy back the shares from CZ. I asked him, what would compel you to do that? <laughs> so I, I guess they tried to get Kevin O'Leary, who basically said this was his deal. They gave him $15 million to represent the company, uh, $3 million to absorb some of the taxes, $10 million in the coin that they give, the tokens that they give. He said most of it's all worthless. I don't know what happened to the $15 million he got up front if he'll feel compelled to give it back. Obviously, he doesn't need it. So Elizabeth Warren hates Bitcoin, hates cryptocurrency, and wanted to go after O'Leary on this. So I want to share this exchange with you. Cut 10. If banks and uh, Western unions said they shouldn't have to follow any money laundering rules so that they could make more money, they could improve their profitability, um, what would our country say and what does every country around the world in the financial system say? I take issue, Senator, with your concept <clears throat> that it makes it easier to do money laundering. Currencies have been used for drug trafficking since the 60s in the American dollar when it was thrown out of a Piper aircraft in a duffel bag. The American dollar is also used by bad actors all the time. I'm just saying if you know your client rules on both sides of the transaction and use a, a crypto such as USDC that is regulated, you solve this problem, Senator, overnight. So don't give up on crypto, he's saying. Uh, don't overgeneralize and understand what you're talking about. Clearly he does. I am not Mr. Cryptocurrency. I'm not. But I know one thing. Some of the smartest people who I thought were out there and certainly the most successful are caught up in this. And the most successful politician world leaders are caught up in this. And I guess I give people too much credit that they have screening teams like Shaquille O'Neal has a screening team. Tom Brady, Giselle have screening teams. You know, Taylor Swift about to sign with them for $100 million. Have teams that go through and say, hey, Taylor, you know, you don't need the $100 million. It's great to have, but... I'm worried about this company. They're sitting there in the Bahamas. Nothing makes sense. They have, they have no staff. They have no quality control. They have no risk management team. Don't do it. And it just amazes me that something could get this far. And there's going to be stories about this. But I'm sure they're writing a movie right now about it. I can't figure it out. But you know who has this other actor? His name is Ben McKenzie Shankin. I want you to hear what he said yesterday because the OC actor is against this entirely. Cut 11. In my opinion... The cryptocurrency industry represents the largest Ponzi scheme in history. In fact, by the time the dust settles, crypto may well represent a fraud at least 10 times bigger than Madoff. The fact that it has roped in tens of millions of Americans from all walks of life, as well as hundreds of millions of people worldwide, should be of concern to us all. Yeah, I'm going to get more from him. You'll hear more from him, too. Uh, Carly Shimkus is going to be in. We'll work this story. Also, the banning of TikTok. Your kids will pay attention to that. Maybe you do. 
uh, is too much of a financial risk. It's too much of an intelligence risk. It's Chinese made. Uh, we got to stop it. More on that later. Brian Kilmeade Show. So glad you're here. Information you want. Truth you demand. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. It's not politically motivated. It's motivated by national security. It's motivated by protecting this country from the aggression of the Chinese Communist Party. See, the issue is not just that the CCP via ByteDance, via TikTok, can track your location, can track your keystrokes, can compile a dossier on you, and they're hoovering up tons of data from the United States and all over the world while they don't afford the same data reciprocity to American companies that are operating in China. The issue increasingly is that a lot of young Americans get their news from TikTok, which will allow TikTok to censor news according to the dictates of the Chinese Communist Party. That is incredibly damaging. That's a way in which they can propagandize young Americans. We can't allow that to happen. So a bunch of states and now the federal government, if it passes the House, will get rid of TikTok unless the president's going to veto that, even though he knows it's so valuable. It's good to him to get the younger vote. He was out there with TikTok influencers. Barack Obama sitting under a desk with one, the other one with an embarrassing nose ring. I think just look awful for the 80-year-old president. Carly Shimkus is here, co-host of Fox & Friends First. Carly, welcome. Hi. Bipartisan. You believe this? Just to uh, be clear, President Biden doesn't have a nose ring. The TikTok guy did, right? Is, can you look that up? Uh, I just, I just want to yeah, make sure. That's a very good okay. point. Well, I, I'm know, pretty sure. But the weekends you, can get wild. That was embarrassing, though. Did you see that? I did, yes. Um, and I think the word of the day is unanimous because this bill passed the Senate unanimously to get TikTok off the government devices which I think is the most important part of this. I don't know if you could ever ban this social media app from the United States altogether, but it just seems like such a no-brainer to not have it on government cell phones. And I think Christine Nome led the charge on this one. She was the first state to do – she was the first governor to pass this. Yeah, I think that the first one, though, to actually bring it up, I think was Tom Cotton. Yeah, Here, he's been all over this. And, and he's saying – I won't play the whole soundbite, but he just says you got to get off – got to get a new phone. He said because it sits there and infiltrates your phone and gets into your other apps. Yeah. Uh, are, you, are we playing sound? Uh, okay. Cut 18. You convince me. TikTok is like a kind of digital fentanyl or Trojan horse on the phones of America's youth. If you have it on your phone, you should delete it and probably get a new phone as well. And these former members of Congress and congressional aides should know better than lobbying for a company that is directed by, at the behest of, the Chinese Communist Party, that is part of its massive surveillance network that is going to give access to hundreds of millions of Americans' phones going for, today and going forward if it's not removed from those phones, if it's not banned nationally in this country. You're going to have a lot of pushback about people, younger people especially. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I think that's the real problem is that the, this is a really important topic in Washington, but I really I genuinely don't know how much it's resonating with the American people. I don't see a mass amount of parents speaking to their kids yeah. and saying, delete this app. I don't see any kids or social media influencers being worried about their data going to China. Um, maybe they don't know about it. And also, if they did, I, there is a sense that, well, I'm not doing anything bad. I'm, you know, looking at right. kitten videos and I'm posting about fashion. What does that really matter? So I do think it's Washington's job to start convincing people if there is a convincing argument there to be made. But this was a historic week. Finally, in America, interracial marriage is legal. 
And this yes. is yeah, and so is same sex marriage. So this is just historical. just this week. Yeah, according to the president. Got it. Yeah, five thousand, uh, five thousand people at the White House celebrating Lady Gaga. Yes, uh, and Cindy Lauper singing her only song. Right, Cindy Lauper was there. Uh, there are a lot of uh, that's great that that passed and it passed in a bipartisan. But way. you need it. Totally unnecessary legislation yeah. while the border collapses. A critic would say that the border issue is probably a bit more pressing, and even Biden supporters are starting to say that as well. Right. And I think blacks and whites have been marrying for a while. I have no sources on this, but I watch a lot of TV <laughs> yeah. and I see it. You know, I see a lot of commercials. Yeah, they, exactly. they look happy together. No, this is not something you're speaking out against at all. You're saying, hello, we've got we've already done this for right. d- generations and everything has been great. Yeah. Uh, but uh, my uh, also bipartisan is another word of the day. I love all these positivities because now you have John Tester on all these senators saying, yeah, hey, you got to get the border in order. Hello? Yeah. Like go, we're, we're, first of all, go. thank you for waking up for, right. to this one. I'm talking to the uh, senators who wrote that letter recently. But it is good that they sent it uh, to uh, Alejandro Mayorka saying, what is your plan if when Title 42 goes away? And John Tester was out there saying, we didn't hear back. And this is a member of the Democratic Party. Well, I just talked to Senator James Langford, who texted me last night to say, uh, I just got out of a meeting with Democrats, uh, excuse me, with the, with the Biden administration. They have no plan. And he goes, none what does that at mean? all. Does that mean that they're not? A, they're still mulling well, it over? Title 42 or? is done. They have no, no way to get forward. Nothing's going to replace it. But he also told me, too, and we've heard this, they're not really enforcing Title 42. There's only yeah. 7% of the people that cross have been sent back. Venezuelans for a while right. at work. But there's no push. There's no pressure on Mexico to get their southern no, border. No, actually, um, Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick was on. I think it was America's Newsroom, and what what he was talking about Mexico, and he said that the Mexican government has admitted to busing people to the we, southern we border. We the video, yeah, to get the to get the to, so I mean to their a, northern border. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, exactly. What a one eighty from the Trump administration, where Mexico was actually working to secure their northern or southern border, and now they're busing people to it. It's it's insane. Uh, I want to talk. Uh, yeah, I, I want you to hear uh, just one more cut. And this is Marco Rubio saying that this should just be the beginning. Cut 17. And this is what's really stunning to me. The, the Chinese tried to interfere in our midterm elections. They were putting out videos discouraging people and they were using the algorithms to do this, discouraging people from voting on, on, on a bipartisan basis or nonpartisan basis. If, and that's why I tell people if TikTok was a Russian company, there would be an FBI raid of their headquarters. Uh, at least they would be calling for it on the left. So I think everyone agrees they're a privacy danger to America, to our national security. We shouldn't have the Communist Party of China having access to a treasure trove of American data that they can use to try to influence and divide us at the same time as they collect valuable information now and for the future. And there's some famous lawmakers, one of which I just got to get confirmation on, that are lobbying for TikTok. So at the same time, listen, you want to leave them, there's not going to be a problem. We'll cover the back door. They won't be able to have have a chance to... To you know, the technological cyber is that because of money? They're yeah. getting money in some capacity, or maybe they just feel oh, like well, lobbyists. So, for example, if Carly, uh, uh, if you were a seven-term congressman, you retire, you become a very effective lobbyist because yeah. everybody's your friend. Then that's when you make the big bucks. That's when you make the big bucks. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, meanwhile, there should be a ban on that. Maybe ten years, you can't lobby for something because yeah. it looks as though people are doing that. So, on the coronavirus, I think it's interesting. The administration, the Incoming House majority is making it clear they're going after Anthony Fauci and the origins of COVID-19. Finding out that this could have been a problem in that lab with a bioterror weapon experiment. Right. This is information. So Dr. Fauci is in the crosshairs of Republicans. He was asked 
when it comes to Governor DeSantis going after him on what was behind these big companies, big pharma and the vaccine. Cut 27. I don't have a clue, Kate, what he's asking for. I mean, we have a vaccine that unequivocally is highly effective and safe and has saved literally millions of lives. So quite frankly, Kate, I'm not sure what what they're trying to do down there. So I'm curious to see what's going to happen. They're not in the majority yet, but they seem to be getting access yeah. to a whole lot of right. Material. So a couple of things. First of all, on the Florida front, uh, Governor DeSantis announced this task force this week. And part of the task force is going to be to do autopsy analytics. And they're going to be looking at the apparently the autopsies of people who passed away suddenly who got the COVID shot and wanting to know if there's any relation between those two things. Um, and also just going after the massive push or investigating the massive push to get every single person vaccinated. So that's what the governor is doing. Um, and he's always been for, you know, you get vaccinated if you want, but also pro-therapeutics. I mean, he right. was the guy that was saying, we need more therapeutics when the federal government wasn't doing anything about now, it. You think the nine out of 10, you saw that nine out of 10 people lost their lives for COVID-19 were over 65. Yeah. Nine out of ten. That's yeah. unbelievable statistic. I know. And yet they're trying to push toddlers to get and teachers refuse to and, get back in the classroom. younger than toddlers, too. I mean, like now babies. Right. I don't know any parent on any side of the political aisle or spectrum who wants to get their infant vaccinated. Well, I'll tell you what. M- Margaret Brennan talked about that constantly because I watch every single Sunday show and she's on Face the Nation. I've got to get my kids. i got to get my kids vaccinated. I want to get them back to school. And listen, I'm not against the vaccine. It was pioneered by the Trump administration. We know the people behind mRNA. They does seem to be the future. They talk about a designer vaccine or a designer uh, a therapeutic to attack cancer. They look at your DNA. They bring in mRNA. They get, there's all, it's a fascinating conversation. Yeah. I'm not against that. I don't think anything was corrupt. They just want to find out if you're going back with variants and you're making people go ahead and get uh, boosters. If you're profiting off that, we need to know and about also, it. And also, this goes back to the social media conversation because now we know that Twitter was censoring people like Dr. Jay Bhattacharya, who was uh, that is that is one of the most infuri- infuriating revelations from this whole these whole Twitter files because what he was talking about is the adverse effect on lockdowns and what that was doing to kids, and he turned out to be right, and they were censoring him, which. It's like just this whole this whole holier than thou mentality at the top of Twitter. They of these peons on the other side of the political aisle, they're stupid, they're dumb. We need to protect people from their perspective. Meanwhile, it turns out that he was right when it came to that and could have saved a lot of headache and a lot of heartache for a lot of families. So what we're trying to do as the American people and our listeners are trying to make to just find out what the truth is or what the opinions are and what is truth. And we're watching insidious moves uh, to weight our news from TikTok in China. Russia did in 2016, you know, calling elections through cyber, uh, you know, trying to find, to find the things that divide us. The George Floyd riots, we have things coming from social media platforms from other countries, from Iran and Russia to further polarize us and maybe enhance racial divisions in this country that don't exist. Then we find out that left-wing media companies are not only into our politics, but into our medicine and health. Yeah. So this is all happening at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. We got, and by the way, it's not just Twitter. I'm hopeful that the American people, our lawmakers, our investigators will be able to look at Twitter and then say, I'm... Prove to me, Facebook, you're not doing the same thing. Prove to me, Google, you're not doing the same exact thing. Because we took the cover off what yep. happened in Twitter. 
Yeah, and um, James Comer, uh, if he has his way, that's exactly what he's going to be doing because he's already writing letters to— You get him on every week. I hope he stays loyal to your show. I know. Because he does your show at 4 o'clock today. He is uh, an early riser, and I thank him so much. And also, uh, he's uh, he's great to have on, and he is so smart, and he's so in the know, and he's also going to be leading these investigations— um, and he knows all the inner workings of what's going on. And actually, we talked to him today about what you were what you were just mentioning about the uh, bio, the possible bioweapons lab leak, which is what may have actually led to the COVID-19 outbreak, because the uh, Republicans on the Intel Committee released that yesterday, saying that they had these findings that proved that that could be true. And I asked him what sort of findings are leading you know, your fellow Republicans to believe that. And he said, well, the Intel community has stuff that nobody else has access to. So with that said, take this report seriously. Absolutely. But also the Intel community that was doing the investigation into the origins of COVID-19 kind of poo-pooed that idea that it could have been linked to a bioweapon. So then there's a the question of why. Why would they do that? Are you looking at different information? Yeah. Is there a reason behind this? And also, I hate that the origins of the pandemic have become political. There's no reason for that, Brian. It shouldn't be a political thing. Americans died and everybody should be outraged and wanting to get to the bottom of it. Right. And I know when Donald Trump, one thing he says he's a mystery on, I think he said to Bill O'Reilly in one of his events, he said, I don't understand when I bring up the vaccine why people boo. This is one of our great accomplishments. Well, since you left, they did it with a mandate. And the mandate is what has people over the top to the point where China is risking literally their freedom and their life. They can't take it after three and a half years of oppression. By the way, their numbers are going up right now, but the people are allowed to live their lives. Part of the reason why gas is low, because they are not using much oil and energy. That's interesting. Yeah. Very, very interesting. Uh, Yeah. And it it does appear that those protests in China – worked to an extent. Right. They, I, which is I mean, I'm sure they took the facial, the retina recognition, yeah. and I'm sure they're going to go and uh, wreck their lives in some way. But there were so many people in so many different places that he had to bend. Yeah. I want you to hear what Rand Paul said yesterday on Sean Hannity's show, because he's going after Fauci, cut 30. He will go down in history as having made one of the worst medical judgments in the history of modern medicine. Basically, the decision of Fauci to fund dangerous gain-of-function research in a totalitarian scenario like China is probably one of the worst decisions. I mean, millions of people died because of that decision. And so that wasn't intentional. I don't think Dr. Fauci intended to kill people, but he's on record back to 2012 saying that should a pandemic occur, should a scientist be infected and spread it to the community, that it would be worth it. Right. So that uh, he's going after Fauci like that's anything new. <laughs> but use other doctors. Yeah. No, use I know. Other doc- yeah. say, why are you sidelining? You know what? Also, I think it's very interesting. I remember back in October, there was a report that EcoHealth Alliance, the federal government gave another grant to EcoHealth Alliance. Like this yeah. is still going on. Right. And EcoHealth Alliance is the uh, organization that gave the money to the Wuhan lab to fund this gain of function research. So you don't learn from a global pandemic that killed millions and millions of people that Truly, they gave a $650,000 grant so once again. This is Carly Shemkis. When we come back, Carly's pregnant. Uh, why she thought it was okay to drink a Heineken when we come back. Oh, oh no, Brian. Expanding your knowledge base. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. All right, we're back. Uh, So 
We were at the, we had a Christmas party for the whole company yesterday. And did you go? I did not. Did you? I did. Right. Uh, America, uh, the Fox said they wouldn't have it if I didn't go. So I said, I I have to go. Well, I actually heard you were paying for the whole thing. Is that true? Because that's the word on the street. They asked my credit card. I didn't know what they were doing with it. (laughs) I thought, I just figured they just want to verify uh, identification. Yeah, you've got a very, very big limit. But would you, yes, I do. Uh, What you said to me during the show today was interesting because you said Heineken, uh, you drank a Heineken. Well, uh, Brian, this needs a lot of a lot of more, de- a lot more detail. There's a thing called Heineken Zero. It's right. zero alcohol. So- I thought it was zero calories. <laughs> Are you sure? I'm positive. Could you imagine I got it wrong? I was like, this beer is great. Zero mm. alcohol. No, it, they may have zero calorie. I don't know. But Heineken Zero is zero alcohol. And I went to uh, Ireland with my husband over the summer. And they serve Heineken Zero at almost every pub. Right. Um, so I had a couple and it tasted exactly like a regular beer and I don't drink beer ever. Um, but because that was the only option available, I kind of enjoyed it. So yeah. Uh, yeah. I like, I like beer, uh, just like uh, Supreme court justice Kavanaugh. We drank beer. We like beer. <laughs> Remember that? <laughs> that was quick. That was, that yeah, was wow. That was really yeah. quick. Good. But I do have trouble. Yeah. I do get full for the first time. I used to laugh, and now I do feel it. After two or three beers, I'm thinking to myself, I really have to segue. So I'm at a transition point in my Wait, life. What do you mean you have to segue? To something else. Oh, you don't. Oh, what I mean, you, because you just yeah. get really full, and you know, oh, full. Yes, that's yes. what worries me about hard liquor because I drink too quick. Yeah. Oh. And if you start, if I start, let's say, like to drink everything or like scotch or Jack Daniels, uh-huh. that wouldn't be good. It's um, like you see, Brian, he was drunk again. I, right? It doesn't surprise me that you drink quickly uh, because you do everything at a fast pace. So I right. can just see you pa- just pa- just pounding. Pounding. Yeah. I'm a sprinter. More the, of a sprinter are, than a long you, distance. Yes. Your path in life is a constant sprint. Right. And constant it's a good movement. thing. Yes. Um, but the Fox and Friends Christmas party is today. Which right. Which will be going to. Are you going to go? Of course. Right. The only reason, I wish I could have gone to the company one. And each year I say, gosh, I really got to do it. But it's so late and I wake up at... Twelve thirty in the morning. Right, I just so. think I've, I used to say, "Well, it's no big deal," but now it's a big deal. After the pandemic, I don't really take anything for granted. I'm like, "Let's just go while we can." Remember last oh, year, the yeah. Omicron? Yes, the Omicron just destroyed so many people. Say, "Well, my grandparents don't want to take a risk," yeah. or "I feel feverish," or "I've been traveling. I don't want to be responsible." So the moral of this segment is: live life to the fullest, right? And at a sprint. And even if you're pregnant, drink beer, <laughs> right? Net zero beer. <laughs> Zero alcohol. Right. Not calorie. Right. Yeah, you yeah. could have calories. Have calories, alcohol safe for post-birth, right. and then drink a lot. She can't wait. <laughs> and we'll see. Bye. Thanks, Carly. Bye. From the Fox News Radio Studios in Midtown Manhattan, it's the fastest-growing radio talk show, Brian Kilmeade. Hello, welcome to the latest moments of the Brian Kilmeade Show. Uh, We have a big hour coming your way. Uh, Kennedy is here talking about her show and everything else soccer-related. We're going to talk to uh, Michael Allen. Michael Allen, the former National Security Council official and special assistant to President George W. Bush. And then we'll do a simulcast on Barney and Company because he uh, really likes to talk to me. And you find that hard to believe. I've tried to have an intervention. I'm like, Stuart, we've got to stop this. It's not working. It's not working. He's like, I just can't quit, Brian. Uh, right. No one's ever said that, actually. But it was good that good that you thought that people had said that. 
They just they can't get enough, Brian. Obviously, should, here should, we are. Here I'm, we all are. So listen, I'm pretty sure this big three is sponsored. So if you want to add some color, uh, Eric, before I move on, maybe if Kennedy wants to give a one-liner before we go to the next one. So let's find out. Um, let's go to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. A Christmas gift that's even more alluring than lingerie? Naturally, nude pajamas by Pajamagram. Sensuous and soft, they look just as seductive as they feel. Get naturally nude pajamas today at Pajamagram.com. Number three. If TikTok was a Russian company, there would be an FBI raid of their headquarters. I think everyone agrees they're a privacy danger to America, to our national security. We shouldn't have the Communist Party of China having access to a treasure trove of American data. That is Marco Rubio. And guess what? People seem to be listening on both sides of the aisle. Big tech problems, big crackdown from Musk's own Twitter to the dangers of TikTok. The upcoming hearings on social media platforms. This is going to be the story of 2023, but we're going to talk about it in 2022. Number two. I couldn't get answers from any of the executives in the firm, so I simply called Sam Bankman-Fried and said, where is the money, Sam? Walk me back 24 months. Tell me the use of proceeds of the assets of your company. Where did you spend it? Wow, Kevin O'Leary of Shark Tank. FTX, crypto creep, SBF in jail. His former girlfriend seems to have flipped for the feds. Now the whole industry is under the spotlight as Elizabeth Warren and Mr. Wonderful clash on Capitol Hill. Number one. I don't know why they keep avoiding the border uh, and say there's other things more important than visiting the border. If there's a crisis, show up. Just show up. Yeah, that is a Democrat, Henry Cuellar, saying what we all know. How could the president actually think of doing anything else but focusing on the border? He's probably heading to Delaware. It's beyond crisis. Try looming catastrophe. That's how we all should describe what's happening at the border. And if you need any more proof, this administration allowing and loving this act that millions have coming here illegally, see how they are handling and suing Arizona for their own makeshift border wall. Something has to be done. Welcoming officially, Kennedy. Oh, Brian Kilmeade. Here we are. Right. Seven o'clock. We watch your show Monday through Thursday. That's absolutely right. Those, right. That's uh, East Coast time, four o'clock in the West. Right. So first off, let's start there. What's happening on December 21st? Goodbye, Title 42. And then we had Senator, uh, I had Senator Langford on the last hour and says, by the way, don't think that Title 42 is being enforced. Only 7% of the people were being sent back. Meanwhile, Title 42 was used during the pandemic to tell people you cannot be a refugee. Well, we we have, you know, we have refugees, we have asylees, we have these designations that are kind of arbitrary. So, you know, people are operating under the assumption that anyone who wants to come here can claim asylum. That's not true. Asylum is very, very specific. And we only allow a certain number of asylees into the country every year. Um, the problem is everyone who comes over the border does so claiming uh, asylum. And they need to be protected from a regime who is actively persecuting right. them. That is more often than not false. And you can't say, I want a better life, therefore not good. I'm an asylee. That, that does not meet the criteria. And then when you get into the asylum process, it takes five years. It takes longer now because we have so many more people than judges or border agents or people who can possibly – process them legally. So the Washington Examiner reporting that Mayorkas was down on West Texas Monday and Tuesday, at which time they asked him, border agents, uh, why are you saying the border is secure? We have no agents in the field. 
he had the nerve to respond that he never said the border was secure. Mayorkas actually said to the border agents, I never said that. The problem is he's lying. How do we know? We taped it. Cut one. Border is secure. <laughs> the border, um, we are working to make the border more secure. That has been a historic challenge. Secretary Mayorkas, do you continue to maintain that the border is secure? Yes, and we are working day in and day out to enhance its security, Congressman. What is with this guy? He has a very different definition of secure than the rest of us. But he just denied it. He knows it's not secure. Yeah. And then yeah, he denied that's, saying that's it. That's his administration. They just go, yep, nope, didn't say it. It's, it's like when I find something in my 17-year-old's room. Yep, not mine. Like, really? I found it in your possession. Right. In your room. Nope, not mine. Do you want to talk about your family, or do you want to continue with this? Do you, I mean, this might be the perfect time. I need time. a wall, Brian. That's what I need. <laughs> need I need border agents. And they'll sue to have that wall taken down. I need, I need support, but I think this administration getting talking points from my 17-year-old. Right. <laughs> Would not doubt it. Uh, maybe they got it on TikTok. Possibly. So we have a, a situation where Governor Ducey just said, started putting up these shipping containers, just stacking them on top of each other, and then putting uh, razor, razor wire, wire on top, and he's being sued by the federal government to take it down and say it's federal land. I mean, do you believe, does that last give you I more checked, evidence? What What is federalism then? You know, last I checked, it, this is a constitutional republic, and that state has the right to do what they feel is best to secure their citizens. And they don't have, you cannot have it both ways. Philosophically, you cannot have, you cannot have open borders and a socialistic welfare state. You cannot have both. Right. It is unsustainable. It is mathematically, regardless of your feelings and what a good person you are and how you want everyone to be taken care of. Thank you. It is, it is mathematically impossible to sustain a system of open borders and an entitlement. State. How about this? HHS Secretary Bashir is saying, I think we should give everybody, the illegal immigrants, free health care. How about we can't afford to do it? That's a wonderful, kind, loving idea. Dumb if as you hell. Really, if you really want to do that, then talk to every charitable organization and NGO and see if you want to help them pool their resources so they can do the Lord's work. But that is not under the purview of government right. to provide for every single person who may or may not want to come into this country and get health care for And can free. anyone think outside the box and think well, it's going to be a magnet to everyone in El Salvador who wants a new dental plan? Why wouldn't you? You know it, what? It, it I need braces. Teeth. Let's yeah. go through the border. Invisalign, man. Right. Do you think that Invisalign is bringing these men and women to the border? I think that's absolutely Because I've never heard that before. I listen to old theories. Brian, I, I have to broaden your horizons every once in a while. It's Invisalign. And, and this is, this is this where is, we start. They came to the border for Invisalign. They did. But I will say and this. They never I, left. I, I used uh, Invisalign. It really worked. And then once they got everything in place, they put something behind my bottom teeth. Mm-hmm. And then it's up to me to maintain it. Well, I, I think that's personal responsibility, which we're not seeing enough of. Right. You know, in terms of immigration or any other issue in this country. And teeth. teeth. And, and, you know, it starts at dentistry. <laughs> Ah, it I ends ne- in chaos. That's something else I never heard. It starts at dentistry. Mm-hmm. Okay. Can we look that up, Pete, see if anyone else has ever said that? I don't know. The most oh. important thing to know about in life and everything. It's, it starts at dentistry. Yeah, that's right. Yes, that's how I live my life. Right. Uh, so, so we see. Uh, Senator Langford on with us saying there is no plan. So there is no plan. Uh, there's desperation. John Tester said I got he got out of the same meeting and said there's no plan. So how long – he didn't get rebuked in the midterms. So he's like, I can do whatever the hell I want. Absolutely. I can legalize interracial marriage. 
Like, I didn't know it was illegal until okay. early I, in the week. I think we need to free Kamala Harris from this gilded prison that is the vice presidency. This according to Eugene, I can't remember his last name, from the Washington Post, who was asked, like, shouldn't Biden just get a new running mate if he runs again in 2024 because she's so bad? This is her issue. This is her time. This is where she could stand up and prove that she is a leader of depth and heft, and she can recraft our immigration policy to make it more sane, mm-hmm. streamlined, and humane. She has not done that. So, what do you, so here's an example. Do you think that it was a great job when Mike Pence was told by President Trump, you head up the task force on the pandemic? Really? Thank you. Instead, he said, yes. And what he did is a freaking great job. Yeah, and he didn't complain yeah. about the monumental task, you know, the, this completely unknown frontier that no one in our lifetime had right. ever crossed. And he did it. They got the vaccines. Did they do everything right? No. In hindsight, there's a lot of stuff that we would have done differently. But, you know, he he was a man of action. You know why? Because he is a Hoosier. He's from the great state of Indiana, along with Jay Danforth Quayle III, who does not get enough credit for being one of the finest vice presidents of the 20th century. Okay, no one has ever said that. I didn't do a couple of things. It starts at dentistry Ends with and Dan Quayle, best vice president ever. Wonderful man. Great golfer. Wonderful. Very, very smart. Right. Have you eyes as blue as the Caribbean? I met him once in high school. Uh, I, I would like to say that he's kept me at arm's length since. Uh, there have been many attempts, many attempts. I, for a long time, right. in my apartment in New York, in my 20s, I had a picture of the vice president, the official portrait, and I cut my picture out from a different picture and put it on former second lady Marilyn Quayle's head because I thought the vice president and I looked great together, and that was on my wall for a long time. That is so weird. I mean... Some and call it weird. Some some call it. Would you say it's true? W- which part? That the, that tr- th- that portrait that hope- of the two of us was up on my wall for a that very was- long time. Okay. Yeah, that was true. So Ron DeSantis came out and talked about this pandemic before, and he said, "I am going to sue to find out w- what the hell went on with this with this vaccine because why would the boosters? Who's benefiting from this? I want to find out who died from this. I'm going to do some autopsies, find out who's dropping dead and what happened. And he also wants to talk about Anthony Fauci." So Fauci was asked about this, and I thought it was very interesting, his response. Cut 27. I don't have a clue, Kate, what he's asking for. I mean, we have a vaccine that unequivocally is highly effective and safe and has saved literally millions of lives. So quite frankly, Kate, I'm not sure what, what they're trying to do down there. They're trying to figure out if more people have died who were vaccinated as opposed to people who were unvaccinated. That's what they're trying to figure out so we can have an honest assessment. And if it turns out that more people died who were unvaccinated, okay, then that's a different conversation. But if a lot of people who got the vaccine and the boosters still died, then maybe it's not quite as effective as Dr. Fauci has sold. Well, first it was 90% effective, and then it's dropped to 54% effective. And now it's, it's 50%. effective for like six weeks. And we're, uh, by the way, we're five waves in, five variants in. We're getting, if you really want to keep up with their school of thought, we'd be getting a new shot every, uh, every 15 weeks or something. Yeah. So, you know, it's five shot Fauci right now. I wouldn't be surprised if it's six shot Fauci right now. 
Yeah, so if I, I was not allowed in a building because I've had COVID twice. Yeah. I've had two shots. After the <laughs> second time can't. I got it, I'm like, I'm not getting the booster. I don't no, want any more of this not. in my body. Exactly. I, I, I followed the rules. I did what I was supposed to. And they wouldn't let me in a building because I wasn't boosted. I'm like, I don't want to be in your building. I really right. don't. Was it Trump Tower? It was not Trump Tower. Oh. Uh, when we come back, I'm going to play Kevin O'Leary and his exchange. Oh, do I get to play Martha Stewart? Oh, she's on Shark Tank too. No, it was just I thought we were role playing. Oh no, I I don't really do role play. I'm not much oh. of an actor. Oh, when you said but I'm going to play Kevin O'Leary, right. I was like, okay, Mister Wonderful. <laughs> Back in a moment. Educating, entertaining, enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmeade. A talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. After my accounts were stripped of all of their assets and all of the accounting and trade information, I couldn't get answers from any of the executives in the firm, so I simply called Sam Bankman-Fried and said, where is the money, Sam? He said he had been refused access to the servers. He no longer knew. I said, okay, let's step back. This is a simple case in my mind of where did the money go? And I said, Sam, walk me back 24 months. Tell me the use of proceeds of the assets of your company. Where did you spend it? And he led towards Alameda. And he actually uh, let him him answer this. Do you know crypto? Do you understand it? Okay, great. Cut nine. And then he told me about a transaction that occurred over the last 24 months, the repurchase of his shares from Binance, his competitor. I didn't know this at the time, but at some point... CZ or Binance, who runs Binance, purchased 20% ownership in Sam Bankman-Fried's firm for seed stock. And then, over time, and I asked him, what would compel you to spend $2 billion, was the number he was giving me at that time. Later, in a subsequent conversation, about 24 hours later, he told me it could have been as much as $3 billion to buy back the shares from CZ. I asked him, what would compel you to do that? And he had no answer. Of course he didn't. This guy was a fraud from the beginning. But that's the thing about this case. And Charles Payne, you know, he, he really laid it out on Outnumbered earlier in the week. This is not about crypto. Like crypto should not be dragged through the mud because of a fraudulent person who lied his way throughout the system. But I, last night on my show, I interviewed Billy McFarlane, who was the guy who did the fire Festival in the Bahamas and went to prison For a few years, it was $26 million in restitution, completely lied to everybody. The festival was never going to happen. But it's it's this new class of these tech people whose intellect does not meet their ambitions. And they have these these wild ambitions. And it's like Elizabeth Holmes at Theranos. They're able to sell these stories and, you know, these incredible society, world-changing concepts. But they don't have anything to back it up. And that was the same thing with this guy. He waltzed into Sequoia Capital and got billions and billions of dollars. Meanwhile, no one's looking. He's incompetent. So he just starts moving money from one place to another, this Alameda group, and starts taking money out of there, buying millions and millions of dollars worth of prime real estate in the Bahamas. And, and God knows where else the money went. A couple of things. With Alameda, he also, that's a sister company. Yes. So he was commingling funds there, right? And that's was his girlfriend's? At the time, 
That was his girlfriend's thing, and she evidently has flipped on him. That's his plausible deniability. Like, oh, I had nothing to do with it. It was my girlfriend. Well, well, he did give it to her, um, so to speak. He did give it to uh, give her the billion dollars or whatever. Uh, but he's going to go into whether it was I was just an idiot. Here's here's where you tell me if I'm wrong here. Crypto would allow this. The lawlessness of the crypto world would allow something like this to take root where it probably never would take root in the traditional financial world. That is not true. Fraud is fraud. Stealing is stealing. But at this level? Yes, absolutely. Without a, without a compliance it's, board, the, the a risk assessment? The problem here is not that crypto is unregulated. The problem is you have a lot of people who are very seduced by the idea of making money quickly with something new. That's an age-old story. I mean, that's, that's every industry. That's every financial product. There is enough regulation against fraud and against theft that this guy should have been dissuaded from it. But there were a lot of people who wanted to make money quickly, including Tom Brady and Giselle and Shaq and Larry David and Steph Curry, that you know they were happy to step up and tell all of their fans to invest in this. Do you think that you're not a lawyer, but a class action suit – might take root certainly will resonate with a lot of people and people with conscience like Shaq. Yeah, will, give the will money back. Give the to, money back to people who lost their life savings. As he has a, plenty of money. He knows uh, that. He always talks about how much money he has, and it's his money. It's not his kids' money. He has plenty. So take the money that you were given. No more. I don't think he needs to be penalized. But whatever fee you were given. Go ahead and give it back to people who lost everything. And if he believed in it, he should say, I don't want any money. I want some crypto stock. I want some ownership. That would have been great. Then he lost everything. And you say, look, I put my reputation. It's sullied, but I lost. Uh, Mr. Wonderful got $15 million. Oh, lucky bastard. Right. That lucky, is wonderful. But he is angry. <laughs> uh, Kennedy, I enjoyed having you in today. Always wonderful to be here with you, Brian. All right. And we'll see you Monday through Thursday at 7 o'clock on Fox Business. Woo. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. I have huge concerns about TikTok. Uh, the U.S. military has already prohibited uh, from service members using it. I have concerns that uh, this data uh, about particularly our kids could be end up being stored in China. I'm also concerned that TikTok in many ways is a communications mechanism. And the algorithms, I, I believe, are being manipulated by China. And that is Senator, Democratic Senator Warner uh, talking to him the same way Marco Rubio is talking, the same way we hear Congressman Gallagher talk, the same thing we've heard Senator Tom Cotton say. What I'm trying to say is that people see the dangers of this, this uh, ByteDance-owned company, which dates goes back to China, being able to access so much of our personal data. Not good. Joining us now, Michael Allen, former National Security Counsel and Special Assistant to George W. Bush. Uh, welcome back, Mike. Hey, thanks so much for having me. What do you think about uh, Senator Warner? Is he overstating the danger of TikTok? I don't think he is. I think as your um, listeners are beginning to appreciate, it's not the dance videos that are the problem. It's the data that the companies are collecting on our citizens, on our children, giving the Chinese ultimately the ability to influence them. And when China is the biggest geopolitical rival, that we face, we just cannot give that much data to them so that they might be able to influence and otherwise try and promote a China Chinese view of the world to our 
to as much as one third of our population, Brian. Yeah, I, I guess so. Uh, what do you think about these established politicians who are lobbying to keep TikTok in America? Well, to keep TikTok in America, I think it's just antithetical to our national security interests. I worked on the House Intelligence Committee. We got to know the Chinese telecommunications company Huawei very well, and we over time successfully pushed them out of the United States and of Europe. We have to do the same for TikTok. It is uh, it just dangerous for them to have that much influence over our population. And by the way, the Chinese can eventually use it for extortion purposes, not just if you have a security clearance for the U.S. government, but if you work for a technology firm that has interesting intellectual property or you work for Ford Motor Company that might have copyright data and you might have access to it. So it's a loaded gun in our head over time, and we have absolutely have to push this Chinese company bite dance out of the territory of the United States. Uh, yeah, listen to what Mike Gallagher said, though. This is what they're up against. Cut 22. There's another thing going on here, Brian, uh, behind the scenes on Capitol Hill, which is pretty disgusting. They've hired an army of lobbyists to do their bidding. Even former members of Congress, they've hired to do their bidding. It's the swamp at its worst. So, I mean, that's the whole thing. A lot of the guys, I think, is from from your era when you were in the White House. So, you know, yeah. why would they do that? Is it money really talks at this level? I think money talks and maybe some are fooling themselves and just sort of saying superficially, oh, you know what? It's just dance videos. And that's nothing that's pernicious to the United States. But that's just a superficial way to look at it. It's the data they're collecting. It's the GPS data on our children that over time they could use to influence them or blackmail them. And so I do think it is an unfortunate part of being here in the swamp that some people will take these types of clients. But increasingly, I think people know that it's just not acceptable to work for China China at all. Any Chinese company has inextricable links back to the Chinese Communist Party. It's not like working for someone in Germany or a British company, for example. Um, They're inextricably linked, and we have to push these lobbyists and make sure they know that working for ByteDance and TikTok is radioactive and that's not in the national security interest of the United States to work for them. Well, interesting. They talk about Trent Lott being one of the people that is that is working for uh, TikTok, who does have a lot of uh, does have a lot of personal sway. So I find that unbelievable that he would do that. So I find out maybe we'll have an explanation for it. When you talk about what's happening at our border. You know, we, you guys got very close during the Bush years to getting comprehensive immigration reform done. They never got a conference when it actually did pass. But now we're in absolute mess. Listen to Henry Cuellar asking the president of his party to at least go to the border. Cut to. I don't know why they keep avoiding the border uh, and say there's other things more important than visiting the border. If there's a crisis, show up. Just show up. Uh, I think part of the battle is if he just shows up and says, I'm going to be working on this and all this, just showing up at the border uh, would send a strong signal to the communities that uh, he's there, he cares about the border communities, just show up. And it does matter. He said, well, it's just, it would just be uh, window dressing, it would just be a cameo appearance. It would not. And another thing is if you choose to make it just a cameo appearance, you could do it. Or you could sit there and go into these centers and go into the tents and go to the border and ride with the Border Patrol and get real answers. 
Exactly. Symbolism is part of being president. And it's absolutely critical that they go down there and show that they care not only about the border communities, but just the invasion of people coming across the border. By the way, some of the people that are coming across the border are on the terrorist watch list. This is not a good situation for our national security to have a completely porous southern border. You know it's a problem when the mainstream media even has been covering this of, of late. And so I think it's time for the Biden administration to step up, face this as an issue, and get moving with the new House Republican majority. You know, when when you when George Bush was in the White House, we have Senator Harry Reid, Senator Chuck Schumer talking about the need to build a wall and and get rid of chain migration and how illogical it was and how could you be a country and not police your border? What happened? The Democratic Party got much more progressive. I'll never forget watching the Democratic primary debate a few years back when they were all saying, absolutely, we want to have free health care for anybody that comes across the border. And they were trying to outdo each other in that regard. That just sends an unmistakable signal to the hemisphere that we welcome you. Here's the welcome, Matt. And economic migration skyrocketed. It's still happening to this day. There's a perception a reality, a truth that it's easy to get across the border and make it anywhere within the United States. And so we have to reverse the incentives for people that are coming up here. And that begins, I think, with having a tougher Mm. stance on the border. You know, they're all about funding the government right now. And they're talking about a CR that leads to an omnibus bill. During that, uh, during that, I think the Trump years, you got the Bush years, you got rid of earmarks thanks to John McCain's leadership and George W. Bush being president. Now they put him back in the omnibus bill. No one's going to see. They're going to pass it within hours. And as these senators say, they, they don't expect to be able to read it, but they're supposed to be able to vote on it so they can get home for the holidays. This is not the process, how the process was meant to work, Michael Allen. It's not. This is a total abomination of a process that was made a couple of decades ago. They're supposed to do 12 separate bills and pass them each through the House and the Senate so that there's plenty of time for scrutiny. The process has been broken in the Congress for a long time. That process does not work anymore. And so what they do here at the end of the year is they put all the bills together and all of a sudden they're going to spring it on everybody in a couple of uh, couple of days. And this is just unsustainable for a democracy, a way for it to function. We have to have a process by which the American people get to see what's being done in their name. And it's not working right. anymore, and I think this is one of the reforms we're going to have to do going forward. Michael Allen with us, former National Security Advisor, official under and special assistant to President George W. Bush. Michael, how close did you guys get on immigration? On immigration I don't think we, I don't think that um, we got that close at all. I remember specifically being with um, President Bush at a meeting of a House Republican conference. It was out of town. And I remember the House Republican saying, this is not going to work for us. This constitutes amnesty and there's not enough border security. And that needs to be a prerequisite to trying to normalize the uh, immigration status of people that are already here. There were more senators, I think, trying to figure out a way to get it done back then. But I, I never really saw it as getting off the ground in the Bush years 
And the politics have changed now. I mean, the southern border is so much more porous than ever. I wonder whether President Bush uh, probably wouldn't have put forward that bill in this climate. Right. Uh, How do you rate the job that President Biden's doing? Well, it's abysmal. He is doing a very poor job on the border. I, I love that Fox documents that every night. I think on national security, he's not doing that well either. Uh, I at least like what he's doing on Ukraine, but, you know, he botched the withdrawal from Afghanistan. I don't think he's prioritized the geopolitical competition with China to the degree that he ought to. Mm -hmm. And he's bungled um, the Iranian deal, and they're on the precipice of breaking out and having enough fissile material to create a nuclear weapon. And even if they signed on, it would evaporate in three years. Thanks so much. It would evaporate. Yeah. Hey, Michael Allen, always insightful. Thank you. When we come come back, simulcast with Stuart Varney, Varney and Company. Don't move. Now, the Brian Kilmeade Show joins Fox Business's Varney and Company with Stuart Varney, live on your radio and on Fox Business. Here's Brian Kilmeade. Hey, welcome back. In a little while, we're going to actually do a simulcast with Stuart Varney. It's going to be great, and we'll be on FBN. In fact, I'll take my my uh, my lanyard off so you don't have to see my name tag that gets me in and around the building. If you don't have this, you can't get anywhere. Talk a little bit about crypto. Uh, also, uh, we'll talk about what's going on with this homeless situation in New York City, where we're located, and we're going to talk a little World Cup. I don't know if you saw, but France won yesterday 2 nothing against Morocco, but you saw a sensational bicycle kick on the Moroccan forward that could have reversed things real quick. Just missed the outside of the post. So let's listen in together. See that? What? It's 1051. You know what oh, that means? Brian. Kilmeade is here on the ball right there. All right, Brian. Sam Bankman-Fried gave nearly 40 million bucks to Democrat campaigns. I'm going to put on the screen the groups who benefited from his money. Okay, should they return the money? I don't think there's any doubt about it they should return the money. And the only thing they could make him do it, Stuart, if they start putting up not the Shaquille O'Neal's and Kevin O'Leary's of the world, but the everyday people. I know you need money to invest in crypto, and I'm not talking about homeless shelters, but I'm talking about middle class, low middle class people who thought this is an opportunity for me. And they put there maybe uh, 100000 Or dare I say somebody upper middle class put maybe found a million dollars and said, I'm going to take that risk. Shaq says it's good. Tom Brady says it's good. Uh, 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 Steph Curry says it's great. So I'm going to go do it. And those people, let them come forward, tell their story and how they were duped and how they fell for the celebrity endorsement. Maybe they didn't do their due diligence. But if you're a politician that actually wants to get votes in the future and wants to sit on any ethics board, you go ahead and do it. The problem is, Stuart, a lot of these cases, the money's gone. So I think they spent it. It is gone. And I think there was about six or seven Republicans that took money, too. Yes, there are. That's true. But the money seems to have been gone. I mean, why you can't trace it, I don't know. But it it looks like it's gone. Next case. A judge in Manhattan says he's not going to stop Mayor Adams' plan to force mentally ill homeless people off the streets and into treatment. Do you think this plan's going to work in New York City, Brian? Yeah, well, the problem is when Mayor Adams came out with it, I said, great. The problem is, guess who found out it for the first time? The NYPD. When they read the New York Post. So they said, how do you expect us to do that? Mayor de Blasio dis- got rid of the homeless unit. You know, at one point, according to these officers, they knew the names of almost all the homeless. They knew the health issues they were dealing with. The, what, the shelters to bring them where they had a problem. The hotels where they could stay. But de Blasio says, I'm pro-homeless. I want to diminish the, the, the NYPD. That department is done. So what do we have? A whole lot of homeless who are freezing to death now, many of which are dangerous. How many people are flying onto the tracks because of these uh, 
these guys that need some mental health. A lot of them. That's makes the city straight. But the problem is he didn't have a plan. I love that the judge came forward and said, how is it bad for the city that people who are emotionally disturbed, have multiple challenges and possible addictions are off the street into some shelter? How is that bad? And these groups had nothing to say. So my hope is Mayor Adams gets that great idea, gets a chief of staff that wants to comment with the, his hand-picked commissioner, and they get a program together and maybe a special homeless unit because nothing's worse than Los Angeles, but this is getting pretty bad. Yes, it is. In New York, it is getting pretty bad. Got it. Now, let's talk about the World Cup. It's Argentina versus France. It's Sunday morning, and it's going to be on Fox. I'm with Argentina. How about you, Brian? Well, I mean, uh, it's hard to go against France. I mean, I watched. I thought the, in the British had the better of the play. The English had the better of the play. I thought they were going to win. I thought they were the better team. But they don't miss opportunities to go back-to-back. It's extremely tough. But I love the Messi story. I love the Argentina story. Remember, they were on the losing end of the biggest upset in World Cup history in this World Cup to Saudi Arabia. They've turned it around. They've grinded it out. They are a dynamic team who love their superstar. This guy has become a great supporting player while still being able to score when he has to. I love that storyline. I'd love to yeah. see him walk away with the championship and then go right to enter Miami. And then Stuart Varney and Brian Kilme <laughs> take a trip to Miami. And we go into the stands in the MLS and we watch the game with 24,999 of our best friends. Can you see that happening? Yes, and I'll wear a mask. But seriously, this has been a terrific it World is. Cup. I mean, there's all this talk about bribery. To get Qatar the venue, okay, it, it did happen. They started making arrests, but it really hasn't spoiled the the quality of play and the extraordinary upsets that just keep on happening. I, I, it's the best World Cup I can remember. Last word to you. I, I tried to watch as much as possible. I never regretted watching it. I was I felt good about it because so many games you watch. You watch these players at the highest level miss a penalty kick, miss a cross, miss a wide-open sitter, and you think to yourself, yeah. how could you be hard on the high school kid who's doing the same thing or the Division two college player that's doing the same yeah. thing? To see the best in the world, like, for example, that second goal that Argentina scored, you had a forward yeah. just take the ball straight ahead like a yeah. running back in the NFL and actually score it in a way you usually see 8-year-olds with the big kid up top that no one can stop that shaves at halftime. All yeah. of a sudden, you were watching the 23-year-old do the same thing. So I thought that, that stuff, I, th- I think it sold the game well to the non-soccer fans. You and I are. I think we converted a lot of people with I this World so. Cup. I think you're right. France, Argentina, on Fox, Sunday morning. I'll watch, and so will you. Brian, good stuff. See you again later. Go get him, Stuart. Just ahead. Uh, that's why Stuart's great. Can talk about anything. Alex, listening in Brooklyn. Alex, always love hearing from you on WABC. What's on your mind? Hey, good morning, Brian. Thanks for taking the call. So about this FTX story, I think that Republicans should investigate what Democrats knew about how this company was a scam. And they co- I think they covered it up for him before the election because he gave them all this money and they didn't want the American people to find out the money that came to their campaign was actually blood money. And I, actually, I told you two days ago that um, I think that investigating the Hunter Biden story isn't going to affect the 2024 election so much because Joe Biden's not going to be the nominee, but you said that he will be the nominee. And so according to that also, um, okay, you can believe that, but here's the thing. Do you think that if the Hunter Biden information comes out during the primary, that Joe Biden can still be the nominee? Because if, if he can't be the nominee, if, if the, if Hunter gets convicted, then according, then I would want, if I was you, that the Republicans should wait to investigate the Hunter Biden information, um, 
until until we get to the general election, because that way, when once Joe Biden is the nominee, we investigate the Hunter Biden story and we convict Hunter, and Joe Biden has a way um, lower chance of making it in the general than he already has. Uh, I understand the theory; it's solid. But it, you remember, Congress is not is going to expose; they're not going to convict. The FBI should be doing this. It's going to put so much pressure on the FBI to do something and the judges to act and do something. And if it does show tentacles to Joe Biden, you'll see a disorganized uh, Democratic Party scramble to get somebody and James Conbert will anoint someone. But you know that he has the money. He's got the infrastructure. He's got the people. If he wants that nomination, it's his. Fox News headquarters in New York City. Always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the latest moments of the Brian Kilmeade Show, one 408 7669 So glad you're here. As we get closer and closer to Christmas, things are heating up, certainly at the border. Things are heating up all around the country. Now the election's over. People are already talking about 2024 and matchups. I'm telling you, all systems are go. I don't know why people are even debating it. Joe Biden's running again. And if, if there were a whole bunch of other people, if you heard about Pete Buttigieg trying to get a team on the side. And you heard about Kamala Harris having meetings with power players and uh, supporters out in Los Angeles. There's probably something going on. Nothing's going on. They're coming up with a plan that takes the 80-year-old and gives him very little things to do uh, and because we know that he's a terrible campaigner. He can't attract a crowd. And they're going to just try to, to drag him out for four more years, which is nuts because he's, he's barely surviving now. Big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. If TikTok was a Russian company, there would be an FBI raid of their headquarters. I think everyone agrees they're a privacy danger to America, to our national security. We shouldn't have the Communist Party of China having access to a treasure trove of American data. Big tech, big problems, big crackdown. From Musk's owning of Twitter to the dangers of TikTok, the upcoming hearings on all social media platforms in the House... That'll be the story of 2023, but it is the story today, too. Number two. I couldn't get answers from any of the executives in the firm, so I simply called Sam Bankman-Fried and said, where is the money, Sam? Walk me back 24 months. Tell me the use of proceeds of the assets of your company. Where did you spend it? FTX, crypto creep, SBF in jail. And it's a bad jail, too. His former girlfriend seems to have flipped. Now the whole country is, uh, now the whole industry is under the spotlight. Should it be? As Elizabeth Warren and Mr. Wonderful clash on Capitol Hill. Number one. I don't know why they keep avoiding the border uh, and say there's other things more important than visiting the border. If there's a crisis, show up. Just show up. Henry Cuellar, so frustrated for a Democrat. I've never, he's about the only one. Beyond crisis, try looming catastrophe. That's how all should describe what is happening at the border right now. And if you need any more proof this administration doesn't care, look at what they're doing in Arizona, suing to remove the barrier that they have built on their own money. See now they are suing? That's what tells you everything you need to know about them trying to keep illegals out. 
Something's got to be done because the states only have so many resources. Now they've got to spend millions of dollars, $12 million to start shipping people to these big cities at dizzying rates. They're going to have to start building their own. You know that Lone Star group that is, is really is the law enforcement in uh, Texas arresting illegals, stopping the drugs, doing the interdictions? That's causing states, costing states a ton of money. But the federal government has just mailed it in. In fact, today in New York, Mayor uh, Adams has come out and said, I want a billion dollars. You have cost me a billion dollars because we have so many illegals here. They need a place to live, a place to go to school, a place to how to be housed, a place to transition, translation material, uh, uh, experts. You know, it's 150 countries evidently represented through our southern border. So here's here's uh, here's what Henry Cuellar had to say. Cut to. I don't know why they keep avoiding the border uh, and say there's other things more important than visiting the border. If there's a crisis, show up. Just show up. Uh, I think part of the battle is if he just shows up and says, I'm going to be working on this and all this, just showing up at the border uh, would send a strong signal to the communities that uh, he's there, he cares about the border communities. Just show up. And that, he says to CNN, which shows at least they're entertaining the topic. But you have to understand, too, I thought we Democrats would start sobering up when they realized how much of the Hispanic vote Republicans began to get. So you think by opening up the borders, you'll get credit for it, like LBJ got credit for civil rights reform in the 60s, and Democrats have benefited ever since? I don't think so. Here is uh, Josh Hawley, the senator from Missouri, cut five. We shouldn't have to trade anything to get the enforcement of our laws at our own southern border. And I just say this, the Biden administration is getting exactly what they want at the southern border. This 14,000 a day illegal surge, they've known about this. They've known this would happen. This is what they want, Laura. They don't want a border. They don't want there to be Customs and Border Patrol. They don't want there to be ICE. They don't want there to be immigration enforcement. This is their plan, and they're executing it. But by the way, and then we find out that only 7% of the people are being uh, repelled and sent back using Title 42. They've been letting it go for a while now. And, you know, for the longest time when people said that, uh, you know, Joe Biden, Democrats want the border down. They want an invisible border. They want a borderless country. I say, okay, that's rhetoric that might get you elected, get you a primary win. But I don't really believe that. But I have to be led to believe it at the highest level. Either the president's clueless or left in the dark or is 100 percent in on this. Let's let the border in. Let's let everybody in. We'll find a way to feed them, even though with thirty one trillion dollars in debt. More from Josh Hawley. Cut six. We ought to just pass Title 42, extend it by statute. Make it the law. I'd be happy to do that. In fact, Republicans have proposed to do that over and over again, and Democrats have blocked it. But if that's what the White House is saying, that they welcome Congress's action on this, great. Let's make Title 42 permanent, and let's do it with the force of law. I'm 100 percent delighted to do that, yeah. and I look forward to seeing the Fair Democrats enough. line up for that. We're not going to do that. We have to pressure Mexico in their southern border, in the northern border. we got to put tariffs. I don't care if... Uh, if, if Obrador comes out and vilifies America, it doesn't matter. We're getting tariffs. You don't start bulking up your southern border. You don't start getting control of your northern border. Well, you're going to get some tariffs on us, and we're going to start diminishing trade relationships and even defying, if they have to be, the, the USMCA. That's what's got to happen. And then you say, well, you know, Biden's at, I would like to see Joe Biden actually mad at another country instead of mad at Republicans or MAGA extremists. Cut seven. Jason Riley, Wall Street Journal. What the immigrants know is that if they come illegally, 
there's a very good chance that they will be able to stay. And so Biden and the administration might be saying, don't come. Uh, they might talk about increasing resources, but their messaging is the problem. These migrants respond to incentives, as all human beings do. And these are not mostly people fleeing war or political prosecution. They're economic migrants. They're labor migrants. They're coming for jobs. There's a labor shortage in the U.S. That is the pull factor. But the administration has not made it clear that they must come legally. Right. Uh, and you could uh, speed up work visas. You could go. You could call in leadership and say, guys. Uh, when it comes to a lot of our Central and South American friends and neighbors, I'm going to look to expand the consulates and open and uh, lessen the requirements and wait time when it comes to work visas. I'm getting a lot of requests for agricultural workers, uh, restaurant workers, and that we have 10 million open jobs and only 3.4% unemployment. So I think this makes sense. What do you think? And uh, believe me, there'll be a lot of cooperation there. At the same time, you could be working in a bipartisan way if you secure the border. I think Republicans would be in on reform, but you're showing no interest. You're not doing a bad job at the border. You're doing no job at the border, which is exactly what you want. I hope you're able to follow that. So what I was saying up top is this. You might not know it because you don't live there, but if you've seen the video, you understand it. There's these huge shipping containers, and that's what uh, Governor Ducey is doing in Arizona. He's stacking them on top of each other. He is welding the door shut. He's putting razor wire on top and letting them fill the gaps in the wall that we paid for as taxpayers that President Biden won't finish because it's Donald Trump's idea and it was his fiscal policy. And guess what? Now it looks like the federal government is going to sue Arizona to take them out and to take them down. It's no problem if Carrie Lake was governor. I think the fight would be long and drawn out and ultimately be a loser for this administration. But instead, we have uh, Katie – I even forgot her last name – Katie Hobbs. Katie Hobbs is the governor-elect and the attorney general. So she's just going to go in there and do exactly what Biden wants. What they're saying is now – Uh, They say the federal government, via the Bureau of Reclamation, has issued warnings to Arizona claiming that the containers were within the vicinity of the Morales Dam and also on the land that is part of the Kokoya Indian Tribes Western Reservation. It also said the placement interferes with a Customs and Border Patrol project to fill the gaps and calls on Arizona to stop further construction and assist in moving the containers. First off, if you were filling the gaps, move the containers, but you're not. You said you already get Senator Kelly elected, but are you actually doing that? That's key. And the fact is that you'll sue to remove containers before you even secure the border, knowing that no Border Patrol has complained that they were able to funnel people to a certain port of entry. It makes their life easier in every way. Real quick, before I take a break and take your calls next, uh, FTX, as you know, has their CEO uh, in jail. And evidently, and I'm so glad about this, it is horrendous. They say it's one of the worst around. It's got maggots everywhere, horrible conditions, rapes aplenty, all types of violence, uh, very little freedom. This is what he's saying. Uh, Several studies over two years found the prison was infested with rodents and maggots. Sexual assaults were prevalent and drugs were easy to come by. One prison officer in 2019 said that the violence is so prevalent at Fox Hill, where he is, inmates refuse to leave their cells to even shower. Uh, The study reads there have been repeated, unconfirmed, serious allegations of sexual abuse and rape, which do not appear to have been the adequately investigated by authorities. So he will sit there in that jail to February 8th. Listen, the guy wasn't showering anyway. The guy has abused and destroyed lives like you wouldn't believe. Listen, you're upset about smashing grabs. You see these robberies on the street. So am I. But this is even worse because he hurt millions of people across so many countries by not even having the 
the decency to have a normal risk management team, a compliance group, any type of infrastructure, taking billions of dollars and putting it in places investors had no idea there was money in anything except the crypto they were investing in. So this type of negligence deserves the worst type of punishment because it is average everyday people investing in various things. And by the way, they say there was pension funds investing in this. Why is that? Why would it? Because it didn't seem that risky. I mean, to me, it's risky because I don't fully understand crypto and the co- and the reasons why people do it. But when you have Kevin O'Leary of Shark Tank, when you have Shaquille O'Neal, when you have Seth Curry, when you have Giselle and Tom Brady, and then you have $100 million going to, uh, to, 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 uh, to Taylor Swift, you go, okay, these guys, have, we know what they're talking about. We all know endorsements, but this is huge investment. This has got to be it. This could really do it. And what happens is they lost it all. It is gone. When we come back, what Kevin O'Leary had to say on Capitol Hill yesterday and how he still believes in the crypto industry, do you? one 408 Brian Kilmeade Show. Learning something new every day on The Brian Kilmeade Show. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. If banks and uh, Western Union said they shouldn't have to follow any money laundering rules so that they could make more money, they could improve their profitability, um, what would our country say and what does every country around the world in the financial system say? I take issue, Senator, with your concept that it makes it easier to do money laundering. Currencies have been used for drug trafficking since the 60s in the American dollar when it was thrown out of a pipe or aircraft in a duffel bag. The American dollar is also used by bad actors all the time. I'm just saying if you know your client rules on both sides of the transaction and use a a crypto such as USDC that is regulated, you solve this problem, Senator, overnight. Well, Kevin O'Leary weighing in uh, with Senator Elizabeth Warren, who hates crypto. A lot of people do. I saw Jamie Dimon thinks it's voodoo and... Those are my words, but he just doesn't think it's got some wearing power. Warren Buffett doesn't understand it. When you got these financial geniuses with that point of view, I'm not going to weigh in uh, and say anything that's going to educate you. But the fraud astounds me. Kevin O'Leary, not to know that there's no board there, compliance officer, that there's not a bunch of people to confer to. You just see a guy who couldn't be look less impressive. For example, if I walked up to Kevin O'Leary and and I see his reputation, I watch him on Shark Tank, and then he tells me he's got this crypto fund, and I'm thinking to myself, I might be a little intimidated to ask so many questions. Everybody else is in. You know, Tom and Tom Brady and all these other guys are in. I'm, I'm going to be in. But you look at this guy. There's nothing about him as impressive. He can't look you in the eye. He's a, His fat is just weave, is over his belt. You know, his shirts don't fit. Um, you know, he just looks like a mess. He doesn't present himself well. He doesn't come off like a genius. So has anyone checked him out? It's not like his parents were rich and famous, king and queen. They're just Stanford professors who obviously are very smart and should have been able to know that their son's a schemer and a scammer. Randy, listening in WOKV in Jacksonville. Hey, Randy. Yeah, hello. Randy, what's on your mind? Oh, just regarding crypto. It's, uh, you know, as far as I'm concerned, it's totally unnecessary and it's a uh, and it's and it's really harming the the unprofessional uh, the young investor who doesn't understand it but thinks it's it's the end all, and the fact that it's that uh, that it's a way for you know for criminals to move money 
has been probably the the only benefit to a, a group of people that we don't really need to benefit. I, I, I don't uh, I would say this. Uh, he was he's still going to bat for crypto. A lot of people I know are very smart. This is this is the thing of the future. But a lot of these companies are going belly up. And for you not to ask, not you, but for anyone to not ask questions about at least how their business is set up. So if the regulations aren't there, at least you find out from what you know, the best possible way to find out why he's in the Bahamas, by the way. Why is he in a major city? Why is he what's he hiding from? Is he just trying to get zero taxes? I don't know. I didn't think it was taxable. Crypto. So here is Kevin O'Leary describing real quick uh, what uh, what what happened with this guy. Cut eight. After my accounts were stripped of all of their assets and all of the accounting and trade information, I couldn't get answers from any of the executives in the firm. So I simply called Sam Bankman-Fried and said, "Where is the money, Sam?" He said he had been refused access to the servers. He no longer knew. I said, okay, let's step back. This is a simple case in my mind of where did the money go? And I said, Sam, walk me back 24 months. Tell me the use of proceeds of the assets of your company. Where did you spend it? And then he went on. And this is what he said. He said, okay, since my money's gone, I can't get a hold of it. Let me tell you what I did. Cut nine. And then he told me about a transaction that occurred over the last 24 months, the repurchase of his shares from Binance, his competitor. I didn't know this at the time, but at some point, CZ or Binance, who runs Binance, purchased 20% ownership in Sam Bankman-Fried's firm for seed stock. And then, over time, and I asked him, what would compel you to spend $2 billion was the number he was giving me at that time. Later, in a subsequent conversation, about 24 hours later, he told me it could have been as much as $3 billion to buy back the shares from CZ. I asked him, what would compel you to do that? And Binance now has withdrawals of up to $3 billion in the last 24 hours since, uh, I guess, Kevin O'Leary brought this out. But I guess this was public knowledge for people that do this every day for a living. So now people in Binance say, yeah, I'm not going to get caught without any money. So they're withdrawing at the tune of $3 billion. So that's obviously going to destroy this company. Uh, Andrew Thurman, content leader for Nansen, told CNN that it's at, at its peak, that Binance saw as high as a $3 billion in net overflows over 24-hour outflows over 24-hour period. He went on to say, concurrently, a large market maker, Jump, was found to have withdrawn huge sums from Binance with no deposits over the past few weeks. And knowing their role with this company, why would anyone invest in Binance? Binance CEO said the exchange had at one point some withdrawals of up to $1.1 billion. The company has seen the worst days before, he added. They think they're going to persevere. Keep me out of that. I have a hard enough worrying about there's enough risk in stocks for me. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. When we come back, we'll talk about the, uh, the impact of everything I mentioned, along with Elon Musk, the Twitter files, and what it means for 2023. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. It was worse than we thought. I mean, we got big tech, big government, uh, uh, big media all colluding to keep information from the American people. So 
and it shows you Jim Baker was on all sides of the equation. You know, there he was, he's in the, he's in the, he's chief counsel at the FBI when they're spying on Trump, when he's taking the information from Clinton's lawyers, Usman, that was all baloney, the Alpha Bank stuff was all baloney. And then he goes to Twitter and he's involved in suppressing the Hunter Biden story. So we'll, we'll see, but uh, Mr. Comer's going to look into it. We're going to look into it from the, from the angle of the Justice Department and we'll see if we can get all the facts out there for the American people. But God bless Elon Musk and what he's doing. I agree. Uh, I definitely think he has uh, changed the game. He's changed the game by exposing everything he has. And uh, that was Jim Jordan, of course, caught up in the halls of Washington. They're trying to get uh, ahead of the of the releases from the internal documents and communication between Twitter. They've had five different versions. The next one's supposed to focus on COVID-19. Meanwhile, he wants us paying $8 for our blue check mark. Bobby Barak writes for OutKick.com. Always interesting perspective. Bobby, what has Elon Musk done for social media so far and transparency? Yeah, Brian. I mean, the big story here, and I wrote a column about this last week, is that every every detail that skeptics of big tech accuse Twitter of practicing have been proven true under Elon Musk's short reign so far by virtue of these five Twitter files leaked. Let's go back. Detractors of Twitter accuse the platform of governing with a political bias, colluding with the government, and shadow banning slash burying accounts with opinions that run afoul to the preferred yeah. narrative on Twitter. We've seen all three of those with definitive proof. Charlie Kirk, Dan Bongino were suppressed by Twitter for those, for those opinions. There's internal documents that show direct communication between the DNC and Biden officials telling Twitter which content to suppress. Brian, there's always been the argument that Twitter is a private company, therefore they do not have to follow First Amendment rules. That has always been correct, but what we have here is Twitter acting on behalf of the government, which is not allowed by the First Amendment to suppress and censor critics. That turns Twitter into a state actor, which according to the Wall Street Journal, can be sued for violating First Amendment rights. So, that's a substantial story. And would they even fight it? Because the new owners of Twitter have nothing to do with what's passed in Twitter. Ken Dorsey came out. Uh, Dorsey came out and basically is trying to justify what he did and why he took his hands off of the mistakes he made. Have you quite figured out why he wanted Musk to buy Twitter, knowing it would expose him the way it did? The Jack Dorsey element of this is so bizarre because – as some claim he says that, and then he says, well, I wasn't involved, that people under me made these decisions. So he is either lying. We do know that he lied to Congress. I mean, that's definitive now based on the internal documents. But it also seems like he let people rule without his consent so he could wash his hands from it. So either he's a liar or he's one of the worst CEOs in tech by far. Um, I think Jack Dorsey has not been completely honest about his role, but you're right. Elon Musk buying Twitter and releasing these files have proven everybody involved to be corrupt, shady, politically motivated, and I would say dishonest to the public. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, so here's Jack Dorsey in 2018, cut 23. Are you censoring people? No. Twitter shadow banning prominent Republicans. It's bad. Is that true? No. It's a lie, as was this. Cut yeah. 24. We do not shadow ban according to political ideology or viewpoint or content, period. Uh, we, every, every model that we have on the network uh, is really looking at the behaviors on the network. Uh, we take those behaviors as signals. And I do want to point out that these signals evolve 
uh, minute, like minute by minute, hourly by hourly. These are not scarlet permanent letters that people then take on as a badge and will never be ranked high in search or not allowed to trend or ranked high in conversations. But between TikTok coming out, trying to foster, in some cases, according to Marco Rubio, out there through China, uh, lack of voter suppression. Don't vote. It's a waste of time. By, we know, the 2016, we had Russia trying to foment different uh, different points of view to have for further polarization in this country. And now we have Twitter out there pulling for all Democratic candidates, suppressing Republican and conservative schools of thought. What's going to come out of this over the next few months in 2023, you think? And you mentioned TikTok, Twitter. I think Facebook becomes center of the conversation now in August. Um, Meta CEO Mark Zuckerberg, he told Joe Rogan that the FBI contacted Facebook ahead of the election and told them of incoming Russian disinformation. That's why Facebook and Instagram pulled back the sharing of the New York Post story. So the information we have right now, I believe, is only a snippet of the degree big tech ruled in favor of Democrats and really to suppress the spread of factual information. I expect 2023 to bring even more of that to light. And the conclusion here is is that with previous Twitter management and what Zuckerberg and TikTok, how they respond, they enable Democrats to have a significant political advantage in the form of messaging online. Elon Musk purchasing Twitter, Brian, he really undoes that because with him no longer acting as a state agent or state actor, all of a sudden, at least on Twitter, that playing field has been even. So the ramifications of that are pretty seismic. Yeah, I think that the other thing that's going to be next, and uh, it could be today, we're going to get the release of the next set of Twitter files. We'll talk about how different doctors, forget about Charlie Kirk and Dan Bongino, yeah. uh, political thinkers and writers and power players. I think we're going to get now the doctors that were suppressed. Dr. Marty McCary, how could, you know, for his, he was so, he had Johns Hopkins. He was so counter to what Anthony Fauci was doing and Fauci was in charge. And we already know about Bhattacharya over at Stanford. That's going to be hard to categorize people as right wing if you're a doctor in Stanford. Right. In in May of 2020, there was a doctor, and forgive me, um, I forget how to put her name, but she had posted evidence on Twitter that debunked Fauci's claim that the spread of COVID began zoonic, that she believed that it emanated from a lab. And they quickly removed her from Twitter for spreading what they said is dangerous disinformation. Well, a subsequent Wall Street Journal report in January of 2021, they interviewed seven experts who said that her claim is more likely true than not. And she was removed Twitter. She's still off for really just providing counterfacts to the one Fauci promulgated to the public. So I think this COVID bombshell, which I believe is Twitter Files Part 6, could be the biggest news we've seen yet because censorship really escalated during COVID, which led into the 2020 presidential election, which we now know Twitter acted on behalf of the DNC and Biden administration. They, they just, the yeah, both administrations are totally different philosophies. Uh, Donald Trump said, hey, states, handle it. Let me know how I can help you. And they didn't yeah. love that. And then all of a sudden, Biden comes in and says, I'll tell you everything. I'm going to give the mandates, going to tell you what to do. Uh, we're going to mostly give Democratic states priority. But for the most part, this is all centralized. They didn't like that either. 
and Anthony Fauci be in total control when, as Mike Pence told us, he said he was fine in a medical role. When it came to societal role, doing interviews, telling us what year kids should go to school and how they should be getting a shot, at what age, how to wear your mask. I mean, that was something that should have been done with the task force and have been relayed by politicians. They're going to be focusing on the origins of this virus. I never understood why, why, why Anthony Fauci was never more curious about the origins. Here's Congressman Jim Jordan on that, Cut 28. They want us to believe it was a bat to a pangolin to a hippopotamus to Joe Rogan and then six million people get it. And it all started in this, this city in, in, in China where the lab, I mean, come on. We now know there were all kinds of facts that Fauci knew. We're going to have a hearing later today. I'm going to point this out. Yeah. All kinds of key facts he knew when this thing started. February 1st, 2020, he knew all kinds of things and he kept that information from the American people. So, yeah, I think it came from a lab. That's who we're going to find out, and then we'll see what he has to say. And then Ron DeSantis coming after Fauci. He's going to be looking into what went into the vaccine, why these people, he wanted autopsies on why people dropped dead suddenly. Was it related to the vaccine? Is a video, um, I don't hear a video playing the back. No, no, just uh, for what do you think about that? I mean, do you think that Ron DeSantis taking his own initiative? Yeah, I love that. And I think everything Jim Jordan said was such a strong point. And you mentioned the origin, and we touched on that briefly. That is such an indictment also on the corporate journalist. Brian, when you go into journalism, you really have two responsibilities. That is to show curiosity and hold people in power accountable. We didn't get that. Nobody held Fauci accountable in the Washington Post, New York Times, None of them use their platform to ask questions like that about, hey, are we sure this came from a bat? Are we sure we didn't come from a lab which was studying bat coronaviruses? So it's good to see DeSantis and Jim Jordan now retroactively trying to make up for what the corporate press didn't do, and that is to give the public factual information. Um, and I think this whole thing has been do- dealt with in such a negative way that it's an indictment on leadership, big tech, in the corporate media. There are so many questions that I have that were not answered. The one guy that seemed to ask the questions about COVID early on in the press was Alex Berenson, who we now know Biden officials had permanently banned from Twitter. I mean, uh, this yeah. thing is just beginning, and it's a mess. Right. Uh, he was uh, actually originally a New York Times writer. His big break, yeah. Bobby Brack. Yeah. Last question. Uh, to what degree do you watch the other channels, and what would you say characterize how they're handling this FTX story? Uh, as well as how they're handling this story. Yeah, I mean, this story they are completely burying for the most part. Fox News had a report on Sunday, Brian, MSNBC, CBS, ABC, NBC, and CNN, they discussed Twitter files a combined zero minutes. They completely ignored it. Um, They're ignoring this for the same reason big tech got involved in censorship, and that is to suppress bury and limit the spread of factual information. This really is a war on information. That's what it all comes down to. Um, You bring up the FTX story. They seem to talk about that when it's convenient. The press, these networks, they talk about subjects when it is politically convenient to them. Um, So I I find their role in all this as problematic and concerning as really the involvement involvement of Twitter. I I just can't believe that two days after we learn that Twitter actually got involved in shadow banning. Elon Musk says they buried the limited distribution of political candidates that networks like CNN, NBC can't find a single segment to even mention it. It's amazing. 
Uh, hopefully we'll shed light on it, embarrass people to do the right thing. Bobby, uh, Bobby Brock, thanks so much. Pick up OutKick and find out and keep up with all Bobby's doings. Thanks, Bobby. Thanks, Brian. Also, congratulations. I saw a list came out this week, top national news radio shows. You were top 10. Well-deserved. Congrats to you. Uh, thanks so much. Appreciate it. That's Barrett Communications. That was awesome. Uh, hey, listen, when we come back, we'll finish up with your calls. You listen to The Brian Kilmeade Show. Don't move. Coming to you on a need-to-know basis, because, man, do you need to know. It's Brian Kilmeade. Radio that makes you think. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hey, welcome back. We've got a few more minutes. Just a quick note. Uh, thanks to everyone again, President Freedom Fighter. We went on the bestseller list after seven weeks in paperback. It was on for, uh, I think, 11 weeks on hardback. And I just think it also shows that you care about our history and you care about where race, race relations come from. Pre- Abraham Lincoln, Frederick Douglass, and the Battle to Save America's Soul. So uh, the last two dates are now. It's tomorrow night. I'm going to be with Dana Perino at the Little Point Bookshop in Point Pleasant Beach, New Jersey. So especially the WABC listeners that are out there and some others in the surrounding area, come join me. you got plenty of time to drive. Hopefully the weather will be permitting. And then on the 17th, I'm going to visit my great listeners at KURV 710 AM. Uh, it's sponsored by Amigo Power Equipment over in Edinburgh, Texas, McCallum area. So I hope everyone to see you there at 2 with uh, the Little Point Bookshop. I'll be there at 5. So my last two days, two planes to get over there, McCallum. Hope you can be there and hope the weather cooperates. But uh, I don't think there's any reservations necessary. Just uh, just check it out. Um, and I hope to see everybody out there. And thanks again for everybody's support. If you want to get your book uh, personalized, get it today. Uh, just BrianKillMe.com. All my backlist, too. Whether it's George Washington's Secret Six, Thomas Jefferson, Tripoli Pirates, Andrew Jackson, Miracle of New Orleans, Sam Houston, the Alamo Avengers, President Freedom Fighter, or... Um, uh, even the games do count. If you need it signed, personalized, I, you got to get it to me right away. BrianKillMe.com and just follow the instructions. And there's a little box that pops up like 1-800-Flowers tells you exactly uh, what to look for. Also on One Nation this weekend, amongst our, our many guests, is going to be my interview with Jeb Bush, which I'm going to bring back in its entirety at our show. I mean, you got to think, very successful two-term governor of Florida on the precipice of being the nominee until Donald Trump came along, at the very least, an unorthodox candidate that I don't think anybody was ready for. Marco Rubio wasn't ready. Uh, Jeb Bush obviously wasn't ready. Ted Cruz wasn't ready. Uh, Governor Kasich wasn't ready. They got they all got destroyed, eviscerated. So he went into private practice, uh, basically, and he's doing stuff on education and doing stuff uh, in real estate, I think. But it weighs in on Ron DeSantis and everything else politically as well as his family uh, with the holidays upon us. Meanwhile, talk about a guy that has been totally defamed and defrocked. If you want to talk about a disaster, a secretary of transportation, it has to be Pete Buttigieg. For the most part, when you think of secretary of transportation, you don't even know who it is. You got to be reminded. And, you know, you don't do that to get famous. You just do it. can serve your country. You, you think you're good at it. This guy thinks he's a rock star. Served in the military, Ivy League education. Good, good luck. Uh, mayor of South Bend. Obviously, you got a smart guy. But not a great mayor. I'm in South Bend. We have a great affiliate out there. And nobody says he's doing a great, was doing a great job. He runs for president. It's basically promised if you back out and give Joe Biden the nomination, South Carolina will get you a job. And he does. So Buttigieg is part of the, Secretary of the Transportation Department that presides over the worst supply chain failures 
in my lifetime. The worst port performance in my lifetime. And then you have a impasse with the rail workers that was threatening to cause a strike which would have brought our economy to its knees. Now the revelation is that now the revelation is that he was on vacation in Portugal during this time, but was putting out tweets and making it seem as though he was on the job. Now you can take a vacation all you want, but if you want to be Secretary of Transportation, you got to do the job. I know he had maternity leave, paternity leave when he uh, got the job. Okay. Then, you know, you tell you the boss can't do the job for six months. And then you announce to everyone the Secretary of Transportation is not going to be taking the job, even though he got the nomination. Here he is on September 1st telling everybody he's working for you and he's got a good way to make airlines accountable. Cut 26. This summer, too many flights have been delayed or canceled. So today, the DOT is launching the Airline Customer Service Dashboard. For the first time, you can go to our website and compare airline practices all in one place. So if you're traveling this weekend or anytime, know that our department has your back. Right. I've been on probably flying more than anybody you know. Probably. Been on a plane every weekend for seven of the last eight weeks. 50% gone on time. 50%. And, if the, and I don't blame the airlines in particular, but there's no efficiency anywhere. I finally had a flight that landed on time in JFK. 45 minutes to get to the gate. The other day we get to the gate, we can't get the guy to to get the air bridge. You know, the, the air bridge that goes up and hooks from the door to the air bridge. Can't, can't line it up. The other time I get a, a notice, your plane is going to be eight hours late. No, no, I don't have a plane. If it's eight hours late, just cancel the flight. So get on Delta. They got a problem with the plane. They got a sensor that's off. Got to get off. If you're Secretary of Transportation, I'd want to be on top of this. Don't tell me he's going to use this momentum to run for president. You can't fail up in America, I don't think. Brian Kilmeade. The Fox News Rundown. A contrast of perspectives you won't hear anywhere else. Your daily dose of news twice a day. Featuring insight from top newsmakers, reporters, and Fox News contributors. Listen and subscribe now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcast, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.